This is a Founding Media podcast. Welcome to another episode of Masters and Founders. We are so honored to share the story of Chris Condit this week. Chris, along with his now wife, Mandy, founded the Texas 4000 in 2004. The two were both engineering students at the University of Texas in Austin at the time. Chris is a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor, having been diagnosed at age 11. He created the Texas 4000 as a way to continue the fight against cancer by raising funds for research and sharing hope, knowledge, and charity throughout the continent. For those who don't know, the Texas 4000 is a bicycle ride that goes from Texas to Alaska. I'll let Chris tell you more about the organization and his personal journey. Welcome to uh, Masters and Founders Podcast. And Thank you. Uh, today we're going to do something different and interesting. We, as part of Founding Austin, the magazine, we always do stories on founders. Uh, one thing that we haven't done, although we participate with a lot of nonprofits, we haven't featured a nonprofit in our magazine, which we will do this next quarter. Uh, so today we have a great guest, Chris Condit with uh, Texas 4000. I'm completely excited to learn about this. Thanks for uh, being here, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, let's. I want to start with what Texas 4000 is, if you don't mind just kind of sharing with the audience and our audience is there. And absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so Texas 4000 for Cancer is the longest annual charity bike ride in the world. Uh, it's a bike ride from Austin, Tanker, Austin, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska. It covers over 4,000 miles and uh, it's comprised of students from the University of Texas. Uh, each one of these, these riders signs on over 18 months ahead of the ride and si uh, signs up to raise uh, over a dollar per mile. Um, their average fundraising actually is, comes out more close, closer to $10,000, uh, what they've been doing recently, but uh, they raise money. They um, volunteer in the community. They share hope and knowledge with, uh, with communities they, and, um, and they prepare themselves to take on a, a, a very long bike ride. Wow, that is super cool. So I wanna go back to the reason behind why, we, why that actually gets started. 2004 is when this started? 2004, started? right. That's yeah, so will you, will you take us back to why you decided to start this and we'll go yeah, down that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a little bit of my story, um, I'm, I'm a survivor of cancer of Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was diagnosed when I was 11 years old and um, I, it was pretty advanced. I had, had uh, multiple rounds of chemotherapy, multiple rounds of radiation treatment kind of went over the course of a year. Um, and, you know, it was a, obviously a very uh, stressful and, and frightening time in my life and in my parents' life. Um, being part of being in, in treatment for cancer was being around other pediatric cancer patients. And uh, thankfully my, my prognosis was good from the beginning and things went better and better as I was being treated. Uh, not to say that the treatment wasn't difficult, but uh, the thing, one of the things that was very striking to me and, and left a deep impression was uh, seeing other pediatric cancer patients who were not improving, uh, who were doing worse and being around these kids, you know, for weeks at a time and, and, you know, 
and not seeing them anymore and just and wondering what happened. Um, definitely left a, uh, an impression on me that uh, I wanted to find a way as, as an adult to, um, to fight back against cancer. It's a great story. I, I just kind of was putting myself in that place. It's got to yeah. be a hard, at 11 years old yeah. to go through all that. And of course, for your parents and, and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. so fast forward to the decision of doing something about it once your health is better. And yeah. and, and, and what, what does that look like? Well, you know, it, having cancer as an 11, 12 year old, it's a, I mean, for me, it was kind of an awkward time because I, I wanted to be like a normal kid. I didn't want to be the cancer patient. I didn't really want to talk about that as a teenager. Um, and so because of that, I didn't want to, I, it felt, it felt awkward to me to, to get, you know, to be a, a kind of in a, in a cancer community. Um, something that I, I loved as, as a kid and, and as a teenager was the outdoors. And in fact, uh, right around the time of my diagnosis, I had just joined a Boy Scout troop. I had to, to drop back out of that. And, um, I was able to rejoin after that. And, uh, after my, you know, after I was in remission. And so I was very much an outdoorsy kid, uh, did a lot of canoeing, backpacking, um, just high adventure outdoors things. I, I will say that I had never, uh, ridden a bicycle more than <laughs> five miles. Uh, so, when I, I got to, to college and um, I had a, a chance to come across a group of, of cyclists who were doing a, a, you know, a coast to coast charity bike ride for actually, yeah, it was a cancer fundraiser bike ride. And, um, and then that just planted the seed. Well, you know, I, I told myself I was going to, going to do something for the cancer community. I've done nothing. It's, you know, I'm uh, almost, you know, getting close to done with college now. And was it like 10 years after? Yeah, yeah, just, just about 10 years. Yeah, just about exactly 10 years uh, later. And um, so I, you know, met, met these folks in, in San Francisco. They just completed a ride from Baltimore. And uh, so they were a, a group out of Johns Hopkins that were, were doing a coast to coast ride. And yeah, my first thought in, in kind of running into these, these people is wow, I would love to sign on. This is my kind of, uh, of you know, cancer battles. Uh, doing a, a fundraising bike ride across the country, doing something huge like that. Mm -hmm. So got back to Austin and sat and, and thought about it. And I, I actually called this group up and we kicked around some ideas. Um, and, you know, thinking about a, a bike ride from Austin, you know, it's, it's not, if you're on one of the coasts, you just you bike to the other coast. Uh, starting in Austin, it felt like, I don't know, somehow... It's not a coast. It's it's not it's not a coast, and yeah, it's it's just not quite as as dramatic as right. saying you've ridden coast to coast if you go from from Austin to a coast. Right. So I I started thinking about it and and just and thinking about what are the the opportunities to draw attention to battle against cancer, um, and I thought you know we we got to make this thing as as big and as outrageous as possible. So how far can we can we bike from from Austin, Texas? and pulled out a map and just started looking at some ideas and you know it almost immediately just jumped into my head we got to we got to go to anchorage we got to go to alaska nice i mean and it's uh when i you know it's kind of funny to think about uh, to 2003 when we were planning 
because it was actually literally a Rand McNally wrote Atlas map. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. today I would go straight to Google Maps. Then I would <laughs> right, right. was actually going to uh, to look at the paper map and, and see, you know, uh, destination ideas. So we decided, you know, other people are doing are doing organized bike rides as, uh, as cancer fundraisers. We're going to create the biggest, baddest ride from Austin to Anchorage and and recruit our fellow students to join us on that. So that's how we got it. Got the initial idea. Initial idea so, and inspiration. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to know, I mean, I, that that is a great interest to the why, but the how. Like, at, at some, you're, you're starting a nonprofit yeah. at age 21? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, was that intimidating? Or? You know, I, I honestly, uh, there's that um, Steve Jobs quote about stay, stay hungry and stay foolish that I think he got from that... Uh, that home uh, whole earth magazine. I, I think the, the foolish part <laughs> resonates with me because right. I think, you know, we got a lot of like, are you crazy? This is, this is a terrible idea. This is not gonna, this is too much. It's not going to work. And just being, you know, being foolish, like, I, I thought, yeah, yeah, it is. We're going to do it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I just didn't know any better that, um, you know, that, that it couldn't be done. And so because of that, I think we, we did it. So. That resonates with so many founders. Like yeah. I've done, you know, over 130 stories probably. Yeah. And that same like naivety is bliss because it's like, <laughs> let's just do it. Yeah. And you get into it and it's just, you're following your passion and you're, yeah. you, you, you've got a cause and, and obviously that cause was with you for the last, you know, 10 years up to that point. You're like, yeah. I gotta do something. I'm gonna make this happen. And so, cause you know, this, then it's just one step at a time. It's right. one brick after another, after another, after right. another, just one day and, and, and you kind of build it. And now what I've read, um, just correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you guys have raised over 5 million for cancer. Is yeah, that... I think we're up to 8 million now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm reading some we've old been, data. We've been, we've been blowing and going. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so can you tell me about any of the effects of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of positive positivity. Can you tell me yeah. uh, those donations going into some of the nonprofits for cancer, what you've seen and how that's made you feel? I, it's been amazing. It's, and it's been just an incredible feeling for me. Um, what we've been able to do with our, you know, uh, we've matured and, and, and continue to mature and grow as an organization. Now we we're in our 15th year. Um, I think we've been able to get smarter with the way that we uh, direct our giving. I, I, we've, we've always given towards cancer research primarily and, and survivorship as well. Um, and we've, we've supported institutions like uh, the American Cancer Society, MD Anderson, and uh, UT Biomedical Engineering. We've started to, to work with uh, Dell in, in here in Austin as well, Dell Medical. And... Um, the things that have been exciting to me in, in the, the recent years, in addition to, you know, being able to fund, like we've given $1.5 million to some very big projects at, uh, at MD Anderson, but we've also been able to recently, more recently, uh, give seed grants towards, um, to, to like, for example, UT Biomedical Engineering, give them seed grants that they can direct towards professors that are doing early stage cancer research uh, the, the kind of research that might be difficult to score, you know, for a young researcher to score their first big uh, NIH or NCI grant. But if we can give them a little bit of seed funding to help them help that uh, research survive a little longer and they can show some promising early results, 
then they can get uh, the, the, the big multi-million dollar government grants that help that, uh, that research get to the next level. But I feel like we get to do a little bit of seed stage investing in that sense uh, or, or helping them, helping support in that way. We've also given uh, in another way, similar to um, the Dell Medical School has a uh, Texas Health Catalyst program that identifies promising early stage research, not just in biomedical engineering, but also in the medical school, in the College of Natural Sciences, in College of Pharmacy, and then around the city of Austin. So we have partnered with them to help direct some of our funding towards, um, towards again, identifying these, these early stage programs that can that have promise but uh, but need support so awesome awesome and um how many writers so uh, you have an idea of how many writers you've seen over the last yeah years? so so we've we've seen over 700 writers um and that's i'm glad you asked that because that that touches on another i really i think cool aspect of the organization so the writers are the really like the lifeblood and the heart and soul of the organization. We, we have a wonderful staff um, of, of full-time folks, and, and including several alumni past writers. But um, we intentionally leave a lot of the planning and preparation um, and logistics to the writers who are, who are students. And what... Texas 4000 is, is for these writers is a, a learning lab for nonprofit leadership. So they get to get their hands dirty with calling people and, and you know, not just asking for donations, but asking for logistical help, um, asking for sponsorship, asking for places to stay, ask, looking for venues for us to, to speak um, and uh, finding ways for us to to have you know a greater impact in the communities that we ride through so the riders are, are getting this wonderful experience not just of a, of a cool bike ride which they, they certainly get that but um but learning to be a a, a philanthropic doer and just a, an activist who's going to you know we hope leave the organization more prepared to be a leader either in, in fighting cancer or fighting for something else that they believe in that's awesome. So. It's, it's, it's at that stage of the game, meaning life, what they're, yeah. they're like 21, 22 years old. Right, right. And so it's like this great life experience. Not only it's just a life experience, but also the ability to go raise awareness and feel good and do something good yes. for others. Yes. Is such a needed thing. Absolutely. But I think that's a wonderful thing for, for sure as far Thank as you. the other part of yeah. what's going on. There. And you said that there's past alumni that are working with you on a full-time basis. I was right. going to ask, uh, do you have an idea of the 700 people that have ridden through uh, and done this? How many are kind of either following the path of nonprofit work or or following you know, even cancer? A lot in medicine, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't have exact numbers, but I know that we've we've seen folks that have gone on and, and I mean, a couple of examples. We had a, a, a past a, a ride director. Um, he was before going on to work at uh, work on Wall Street in an investment bank. He worked. Um, his name is, is Todd Bondi. He was doing uh, working at an orphanage um, in Africa, and he was, uh, you know, it was a, a part of another nonprofit effort he was doing. But by his own, you know, his own 
effort and, and observation. He saw, you know, the, the place was in bad need of some repair, new uniforms for the kids. So he, he went back. This guy had already raised $25,000 for Texas 4,000 for cancer. He went back and raised another 20 plus thousand dollars, wrote to his, his same donors and said, hey guys, you know, thank you for supporting me in this past effort. Here's what I'm doing now. Um, and and he, got, uh, he got a huge outpouring of support and was able to like provide new uniforms and help, you know, help with the maintenance of this orphanage. And that was not part of his charter. He was just supposed to be there and, and help out, you know? Wow. And, and so seeing, seeing something like that, uh, we, we had another, uh, another writer whose name is Jillian Domain and she started a, uh, a cancer nonprofit called CareBox that gives care packages to people that are, are dealing with cancer and living with cancer and, and things that will just help them just in their, in their day-to-day life. So, um, seeing, yeah, seeing writers that, that, that go beyond, to go beyond, yeah. you know, and then just all the writers who have been inspired, yeah, to, to work in healthcare, to work. We have a ton of nurses, cancer nurses, um, physicians, uh, students that are in pre-med, um, and, uh, and, and people that work in healthcare. And I think that part of Texas 4,000 is getting to meet patients, getting to meet doctors and, and, hearing their stories and writing for them. I mean, we tell them like, we are writing for you. Like we want you to like write your name on our helmet. I'm going to ride for you every day this summer. And, uh, and so getting to have that like one-on-one personal interaction or, or even staying with host families where you're like spending a whole evening with these people and they're like, here's what happened. Here's my cancer story. Here's how I lost my husband to cancer and having that just extremely, you know, emotional, emotional, yeah, like connection. real raw connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that that makes these people, yeah, yeah, better doctors, better nurses, mm-hmm. better business people. Yeah, no, so. that's that's really touching. I'm, I'm glad that we're able to touch on that. Yeah, I want to go into um, the ins and outs of a, a of a building a nonprofit. Yeah. So many of the founders that we talk to, it's not just the good stories, the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Because <laughs> if someone else wants to start one, we want them to be well prepared. Right. So. Can you talk about some of the good, bad, and ugly of, sure. of building a nonprofit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the first year is definitely a, a wild ride in terms of planning. Um, uh, I want to say that, um, you know, at the initial time of meeting, uh, how, how the, yeah, I guess, crucialness of partnerships, okay? So when we met this, this group that was doing the bike ride um, from – uh, from Hopkins to San Francisco, I was with my wife and, uh, she was my, my girlfriend at the time we were in college. And, uh, and so we had started talking about this. So she was like really my, my partner sounding board. And we just, you know, bounced these ideas off of each other. And, and, um, she was with me from the, from the ground floor and, you know, just helped me along every step of the way, getting it started. So, uh, her name is Mandy and I, you know, so grateful to her. Um, the, the next group that we recruited, kind of our, our next circle of leadership, was um, a group of graduate students that were yeah, uh, mostly engineering graduate students. We were, we were undergrads in engineering. So we, we put out the, the call for people to join the, the group. Um, and the way that we recruited people, it was that we, we created a flyer advertising, hey, you know, get a, get a road bike and bike to Alaska with us and raise money for cancer research. We just littered those all across the, the UT campus. And uh, we, we had a, an info session where we were going to come tell people, you know, how, how to how to join, how to be a part of it. 
and we just had a very rudimentary idea of what that was going to look like. But so many people, like the, the response was much, much bigger and stronger than we thought it was going to be. And we got a, a ton of great applications and people that wanted to do it. So going through that list of applicants, we found uh, some folks that were a little bit older, a little bit wiser than we were, um, mm -hmm. just in terms of, um, you know, just a little farther down the road of yep. their experience. academic path and yep. experience. And, um, and so that, that group became our kind of our, our core group of, of leaders. And, and like I said, there was, most of them were graduate students. We had one, one other undergraduate student. Um, and th this group helped us plan and organize and, and get the ride on the road uh, to, to Anchorage. And so they, they actually did the ride with us. Um, and that first year, I mean, I, I would say a couple of the big challenges, we got very lucky in having a, a family friend who was able to set up the, the 501c3 nonprofit. That's maybe the, the question I get most frequently is like, how do you set up a 501c3? And, you know, you find the, somebody, you, fi <laughs> you find a lawyer. Who, yeah. That's, that's my answer. Find a lawyer who can help you with that. Uh, um, so, but the, the, the other part of it was just, um, we, we had set a minimum fundraising goal for ourselves and we were doing this whole ride on a crazy compressed timeline compared, or the, the preparation rather, uh, on a compressed timeline compared to what the riders do now. And so the fundraising aspect was very stressful. And um, I like definitely had a lot of sleepless nights and nightmares. Uh, we had kind of had this discussion amongst ourselves that if we don't get to, you know, XYZ dollars raised, you know, it would be unethical for us to continue this ride. And, and, um, and that was, gave me unbelievable heartburn. And I think on one side that was probably good because it pushed us to, you know, to, to raise as much as we did the first year. And, you know, in the very first year, we were able to, to donate over a hundred thousand wow. dollars, which, um, I, I, you know, we all, I think considered a big win, but, um, but I think that in hindsight, maybe I could have spared myself a few gray hairs. Like I, I don't think that people would have said, well, I need my money back because you didn't raise, you know, you didn't donate a hundred thousand okay. uh, dollars. I think that we could have been like slightly kinder to ourselves than that and, and said, look, you know, we, st we still raised a lot of money. We plan this whole ride. It's going to go on again. It's going to be awesome. We're building on it this year. So um, I think that initial stress of the first year was, it was good, but it was maybe unwarranted, <laughs> maybe harsher than it, than it had to be. Um, so I, you know, maybe that's just, you know, setting realistic goals or, or knowing what your real objective is. Um, and our real objective was, you know, yeah, to raise money, but it was to, to get to Anchorage and, and prove that it could be done. So another big, uh, just, I don't want to say an ugly, but, but something that I, I hit some serious fatigue after, after we get to Anchorage and, you know, we're deciding, we're talking, you know, having these conversations while we're biking on the Alcan highway, like, you know, we're going through Yukon territory, like, Hey, are we, is this thing happening again next year? And I mean, everybody was like, yeah, this, this has got to keep going. I mean, we put all this work in, of course it's going to keep going. And then at the end of the summer, uh, you know, thankfully a couple people hung back and said, Hey, I'll, I'll help again. I'm going to help you organize and help you recruit. But the amount of work that it took just to <laughs> basically not build the thing again from scratch, but so much work right. over again. I realized by the end of that year, like I, I can't, this was, I can't just keep, you know, doing this in my spare time, you know, recruiting everybody and planning the whole thing again and again. 
So this is where, again, uh, there was, a, you know, another crucial partnership. And um, I, I talked to a friend from school who was, he was actually uh, had graduated. He'd worked for a few years and he said, you know, what I think what you need to do is you need an advisory board. You need a, you need a board of directors and you probably need a, a, an executive director, like a full-time staff person. And so he introduced me to a friend that he thought would be a great, you know, advisory board chair or board of directors chair. And, um, that, that person's name was Jimmy Shoddy. He he was a couple years older than me. He had been president of business council at UT. So he, he had a lot of the sort of the business side acumen and, and knowledge that I didn't have as a, as an engineering student. Um, and he had some, some actual corporate experience that I didn't have either. So, um, we began to work together. He recruited, uh, an advisory board of, of his, you know, colleagues or, or friends from business council. And, um, we, we got some, some great, uh, sponsor seed funding and got, uh, got the board of directors in place. And, um, you know, one of the first actions there was deciding, okay, we need to hire an executive director. So we wrote up the job description for that role. And I decided I was working at a, at a medical device startup company at the time, but I decided that job description looked like a job that I wanted to have. And so I left the, the startup company, uh, left some stock options behind, um, and, uh, th they were successfully acquired. So, you know, left some money on the table there, but no regrets because, uh, I, I had a chance to be full-time executive director for Texas 4,000 for several years and, uh, and help us, you know, find our feet as an organization together with, you know, my partners on our, mm -hmm. on our board of directors. So, you know, I think it, that, 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 um, experience of realizing you need help and, and you need some institutional knowledge and you need structure, like getting to that as soon as possible was, was really important for me. Um, and then I'd say, you know, looking back now, 15 years later, I think it's also, um, I want to be present as a, as a founder and a past executive director, but there are so many smart and capable people that are, are, basically way, way more, uh, knowledgeable and experienced and capable than I am. And so many aspects of running an organization that I, I don't want to get in their way. Right. And so I want to be there as a, as a cheerleader and a supporter. Um, but I want to let all the, the talented and brilliant people yep. who are now on our board of directors, on our staff, I want to let them give them the space to succeed. Yep. So, so many founders that you hear about, um, Steve Jobs and otherwise they yeah. surround themselves with smart people themselves yeah. and let them run. Yes. And do their yes. Thing. So you have the vision, you you do all the hard work to spark it and then yeah. let it let it kind of yeah. let, let the fire build and yeah. let that happen. It the other thing that I thought was amazing is um so Austin, as I've come to know it, is a very giving place. Yes. And there's so many great nonprofits out there. By the same token, there's so many great nonprofits out there, right? Yeah. So it, it, there's there's a, a lot of ways to slice this pie. So it's got to be, in my imagination, not super easy to continue a program for as long as you guys have. Mm -hmm. So I commend you for that growth and keep going. It, are there is there anything you can speak to on that front from a from a year after year growth standpoint? Is that just kind of continually grown, or have you seen some challenges? I think, you know. It's a great question because 
some part of the challenge can become, I mean, for, for us, it's a super exciting and awesome story. And, and, uh, but you know, you tell people about it and they get excited, but then it's like, okay, it's, we're still here. We're still doing this. Like, you know, you were excited last year. Can we get you excited again this year and the next year and the next year? So finding that, that, um, community support that, that doesn't get fatigued. Um, you know, we don't have donor fatigue. I, I think for one, we've had some wonderfully patient volunteers again, you know, just mentioning Jimmy, our, our initial board chair served for nine years as, as our first board chairman. And, and that's just like a, just a, you know, took a huge amount of, of time to really get the organization to a, a really steady and stable place. I think that's probably not the norm um, in terms of what can be expected of, of a volunteer. Um, so, you know, avoiding that volunteer fatigue and, and, and donor fatigue. I mean, I think we've put in some, some structures with our board that help that lets there be a progression of, of, of board chair. So we have somebody come on as a, as a vice chair and then they graduate to being a board chair and then they, they're a past chair. So there's this three year cycle where they're, they can give a lot over three years, but it doesn't, it's not like, you know, um, super demanding. so, exactly. so onerous for such a long time or, or just this expectation of like, well, you got to stick around. Like, right. what, are, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Um, the other aspect that's, I guess is a, is a strength for us is we get each year a new crop of writers. Yeah. Um, and so each one of these writers brings their own circle of, of donors and people that are, I hope a lot of them are giving because of they believe in our cause and they, they want to help fight cancer. I know that a lot of them are giving because they care deeply about this person that they're, right. that they're donating for. I think that's um, a very, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, I think that having that new batch every single year is such yeah. a smart way to make design the program. So it's, it's um, because of what you're just yes, saying. Yes. Yeah. It just I mean, keeps it's, that new blood in and excitement. It, yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, so a couple of good things on that one is it's, you know, it, it's, that's, we've avoided donor fatigue of uh, from the, from the writers fundraising that way. Cause it's, it's like, yeah, it's a new gr group every year. And also they, as you are mentioning, they keep their enthusiasm, the enthusiasm and energy level of the writers is always like sky high. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that energy you have when you're, you know, you first start a company or when you, you know, you're, you're first married or something like that. That's our group of writers every year. And mm -hmm. it's, it's cool because, uh, you know, the writers never appear to get tired of it because it's a new group each year. Um, and, but, but again, the, 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 the growth challenge is, okay, well, we've got X number of writers that, um, that are doing this ride. I mean, we have kind of a, a maximum capacity since it is, it's a peer led ride. There's a, you know, a, a student is in charge of a group of other students of 20 to 25 other students. We stay in some very small communities along our ride. So we're not, we don't want to send hundreds and hundreds of people and overwhelm a small community. We have host families. So that's another reason to, to manage this, the size of our group. And we want to have a quality program for the writers. I mean, so these are all reasons why we don't just add and add and add and add to the number of writers that are participating. But with that, there's kind of a, an upper limit of how much each writer could raise. So that's where we have to get creative and, and think about, well, what are, what are new ways that we can bring in, uh, you know, outside revenue to the, or, you know, other revenue to the organization and a, a really neat way that that's been done is through our, our gala. Um, uh, so Jimmy's wife, Bridget, you know, when she, when we were first put having this board of directors together, she was asking like, what kind of party we were having for the writers when they got back. And I'm like, well, 
That's a good idea. Uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so she and uh, she and Jimmy and, and, a, and a group of volunteers um, pulled together just ultra quick. I mean, I think like six weeks. This, this gala that we had at the at the Austin Music Hall um, when there still was an Austin Music Hall, and um, we raised we raised a lot of money that night. But uh, this this event has gone on to just be um you know an absolute blockbuster fundraiser for us and i mean we have six or seven hundred people coming out to the to the hyatt or to the w and we're you know raising i mean just in, insane amounts of money at this gala and so um so that's that's been another way to to raise money that's wonderful so. and this year's is starting tomorrow is this or when is the where's the next one start the the uh yeah so the, so the writers we, we call it tomorrow uh the, the it's the day before our kind of community ride so we call our community rides day it's day one it's the atlas ride the day before that is we call day zero so the writers are going to leave the ut campus just as a team they're going to be sent off by mayor adler uh by Miss Lucy Baines Johnson, who's been a, a wonderful supporter of Texas 4000 and has spoken at our send-offs uh, several times before. Uh, she's always an inspiration. She'll she'll be there as well. And so the writers will get sent off, you know, kind of waved goodbye by their parents and uh, and cheered on by by us. And uh, and then they'll they'll have they'll be joined by hundreds of, of Austin area cyclists for the Atlas ride on Saturday. I see. Yeah. Sweet. And then from that point forward, it's just. Heading, it's cranking out the miles headed headed north 30 yeah. miles to 120 a day yeah that's that. right so that's right depends on the terrain and yes yeah weather the, and all that the, the, that and, and then you know I, what i've seen over the last few years is that riders also i mean really focusing on which which community should we stop in and so that's another thing that kind of dictates the distance so the riders have done something where they they'll look at w which communities have been hit hard by cancer because that that sort of data is available now and so they really want to make sure that they're not just covering the miles, but they're being able to have an impact in the communities that they visit. Love so that. it's been cool. So would you uh, give a plug for where people find more information about this? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, check out our website at texas4000.org. Um, you can follow us also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, and you know see pictures from the ride. You can see video content interviewing our riders and hearing their stories, talking about why they're riding. Uh, and you can learn about how to get involved as a volunteer or donor and, uh, and just, you know, keep track of what they're doing. Thank you so much for being with us today. I really have enjoyed the story and learning more about what you're doing. So keep, thank keep you. on keeping on. <laughs> Ready? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your story with us. It is truly inspiring to hear how you were able to create such an amazing and giving community. The Masters and Founders team includes me, Dan Dillard, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you everyone at Founding Media for your support. To see this video interview and other Founding Media podcasts, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. A link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening.